Welcome to Hebrew Bible Insights, a podcast about making sense of the Hebrew Bible. I'm Matthew Delaney. In today's conversation, uh, I talk about Star Wars and Cain. Really great episode. I think this will be fun. I love Star Wars and I love the Bible. So hope you enjoy this conversation as I talk about the connection between Anakin Skywalker and Cain. So this morning I was getting ready and I was thinking about Star Wars because, well, why not? I mean, we have Mandalorian Season 2 is out. A new Obi-Wan television show is coming out soon. There's a lot to like about Star Wars. I'm a huge Star Wars fan, and I hope you are too. And as I was thinking, an analogy hit me that I think is perfect uh, of a scene in Star Wars, a really famous one, that explains um, and illustrates uh, a big, important theme of the Old Testament. I wanted to share it with you guys. So you know that scene on in Star Wars Episode Three: Revenge of the Sith, when Obi-Wan and Anakin are fighting on, on Mustafar. And whenever Obi-Wan, he says, I have the high ground. And Anakin jumps anyway, and Obi-Wan cuts Anakin down. And Anakin uh, begins to burn. And Obi-Wan, through tears in his eyes, emotionally says, he looks to him and says, You were the chosen one. It was said that you would destroy the Sith, not join them, bring balance to the Force, not leave it in darkness. It's a really emotional scene because we've grown up with with Anakin from being a boy and uh, Obi-Wan as his master. They've developed a great relationship. And until in episode three, as things go downhill really fast, very badly for Anakin, to where he ends up betraying all of the Jedi to follow uh, Emperor Palpatine. Really sad moment there between these two who are so, so close. What I realize is that this perfectly illustrates what happens throughout the entire Old Testament with its heroes, with its hope figures. You see, Anakin, he was known as the chosen one. He was the one who was prophesied about. Obi-Wan even says, it was said that you would destroy the Sith, that he was the chosen one. And this is someone that they had put their hope in. Uh, Obi-Wan's master, Qui-Gon Jinn, he had hoped uh, that Anakin was the chosen one because he was so Force-sensitive. There's a lot of uh, anticipation and hope for him, which, of course, Anakin ended up disappointing greatly. So, believe it or not, this is actually connected to a great story in Genesis chapter 3 and Genesis chapter 4. The end of Genesis 3 tells us about how Adam and Eve, they basically, they failed. They, they chose to go against God and ended up uh, bringing evil upon uh, upon the earth through what they had done in rejecting God, and they're exiled. But during this really low part of the story, very painful part, there's hope that's given. God says about Eve, he says that a seed of woman will come, and he will crush the head of the serpent, and the serpent will bruise his heel. And I think as Christians, if, if you've come across this passage before, you probably quickly think about Jesus, which, spoiler alert, that is where this is going. But there's something I think we miss. Whenever Eve is told this, that a seed of woman will come. Uh, seed in Hebrew, zera, it can refer to seeds like plants, like you might expect. But it's also used to refer um, maybe to future generations of people. So it's just talking about a person's going to come. What's the very next story? Right after this, when Adam and Eve are kicked out, you have the story of the first birth ever, where Eve gives birth to Cain. And 
when we think about this promise, this that this prophecy that's given at the end of Genesis chapter three about a seed of woman that's going to come and destroy the serpent, the very next story is Eve has a kid. What does she think about this kid? We don't know exactly, but when you read between the lines, it seems to me that I bet Eve thought that uh, that Cain, her son, he was going to destroy the serpent. Here he is. This is the seed of woman. Here's the next person. He's going to right all the wrongs that me and my husband did, that he's going to be the one to fix everything. He's going to destroy the serpent. But if you read Genesis chapter 4, you know the story of Cain and Abel. What ends up happening is that Cain, he does not kill the serpent. He kills his brother. Cain, instead of being the chosen one, the one who is going to destroy the serpent, he actually takes the path of the serpent. In fact, he takes it farther than his parents even did. He, he goes against God. Even when God reached out to Cain, he saw where he was going, and he let out a lifeline to Cain and gave him guidance and words of direction to help him steer on the right path. Cain, he bursted right through that, ran right through the guardrails, and ended up killing his own brother. And he's further exiled east. Cain is what I would say is the first hope figure of the Bible. A hope figure is basically someone who is presented in the biblical story as someone who's going to make everything better. And this is done through a variety of means. Uh, But he's the first one. And whenever you see firsts in the Bible, that's something we should always pay attention to. Cain's story is a very quick one. It's very brief, very succinct. That's what I love about Genesis 1 through 4. Very succinct, uh, short stories that illustrate very deep, timeless principles. And one of them that we learn is this, is that Cain, he was not the hero. And we'll see that as you go through the rest of the Old Testament, that the same thing ends up coming up again and again. So every hero, every hope figure from Noah all the way to Nehemiah, all of them fail. Yes, some of these people portrayed as heroes, some of them do faithful things to some degree that bring about some level of goodness. But at the end, at the, at the grand scheme of things, they all fail in very disappointing fashions. So Noah, yes, he faithfully built the ark uh, and saved his family. But what do we find? That once the, once the ark lands on the mountains, and there's the sacrifice and the rainbow, and there's this picture of new creation for a new hope. Forgive me for another Star Wars uh, reference there. A new hope is given. What do we find? We find that Noah and his family spoiled the new paradise with sexual misconduct and a drunken curse. That's our next hope figure after Cain. Noah falls right in line with what happens with our first hope figure. And you can trace all of them from from with Noah and to Abraham and Jacob and Joseph and Moses, Samuel, Saul, David. You can just keep going. And again and again and again, we are greatly disappointed and greatly in pain. We're hoping for this prophecy. It was said. It was said that a seed of woman would come and destroy the serpent. But who's going to do it? You get to Nehemiah. Historically, he's one of the latest figures of of the biblical story. And he was he worked with Zerubbabel and with with Ezra to rebuild the walls and the temple and restore restore the Jewish people and their faith and the temple, the place for God's presence. But if you read the end of Nehemiah, what do we find? 
is that corruption is pervasive and corruption fills this new temple and fills this new city that they've rebuilt and that they've restored. And Nehemiah, he tries to do what he can, but at the end of the day, he just says at the end of the story, God, I've done what I can. I tried and it didn't work. It wasn't enough. I, I couldn't fix this stuff. God, just remember me for good. He can't do it. He puts up his hands, giving up. And as we read through these stories of the Old Testament, it's hard for us to not see ourselves in this. We realize that we too, uh, we were supposed to be something, right? Just as Obi-Wan said, you were the chosen one who said you would destroy this if not join them. We think about ourselves, we think about our community, whether you look in the mirror and think this about yourself or whether you look at the world at large that's, that's raging and, 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 um, and in chaos, we think you are supposed to love, not hate. You are supposed to be faithful, not betray. You are supposed to do the truth, not live a lie. You are supposed to live a life of freedom, not be shackled to addiction. And we can go on and on. And I think what we realize is that we too are not the chosen one. Cain was not the chosen one. Noah was not the chosen one. None of them were all the way through Nehemiah. None of them were the chosen one and neither are we. But who is the chosen one? This, this imagery of the serpent uh, carries on throughout the Bible in, in Isaiah chapter 27, I believe. It's written about how God himself will come and destroy this dragon, this serpent of the sea, that Leviathan, he's going to destroy him. And that, that's in a chapter that talks about, about this idea of the day of the Lord and this idea of when God's going to make things right. And you see in Revelation, there's this imagery again about how, about how this, this, this child of a woman destroys this dragon and this serpent of the sea. Who is this all talking about? It's Jesus. He is the chosen one. He is the one who killed the serpent. He is the one who beat sin and death and reunited us with God. The first step is we have to realize that we are not the hero of our own story. In Jesus, there is salvation and freedom and love and purpose. It's not something that we can just create on our own, that we can find on our own. If we do that, we will find the same fate as the Old Testament heroes. We will find the same fate as those who try to create their own identity instead of finding it in Christ, those who try to create their own purpose and meaning instead of finding it in the creator and savior of all things. That is ultimately the fate that we would find. And we'll end up being disappointed like Obi-Wan, hurt like he is, or we'll end up burning as Anakin was until we realize that Jesus, he is the one who is the savior. He is the chosen one. Look, this is a principle that we all understand. We all know this. Um, but for those of us who have not chosen to accept Jesus as our Lord, to look to him as our, as our, as our salvation, um, our life is one in, of darkness. Obi-Wan says of Anakin, right, you're supposed to bring balance to the force, not leave it in darkness, but that's what our life is. John 1 beautifully talks about Jesus as the great light that entered into the dark world and the darkness could not overcome it. Our life is one of darkness until we accept Jesus. But even after we've accepted Jesus, there's still, I think, the temptation to revert back, to think that, you know, I am the hero of my story. That, 
it's, it's, it's my hand that will bring about greatness and goodness in my life, that I am the one who it's on my shoulders that I carry my destiny. But even after we are saved, we must remember that Jesus, he is the king. He is the Lord. You know, I think there's a, a great phrase in the book of Deuteronomy that gives us a good model for how to view our life. Uh, in Deuteronomy, this is a Moses' last speech. The whole book is a huge speech. The, the Bible slows down. Most of the Bible in the Old Testament tells stories of decades of time or even hundreds of years sometimes. And Deuteronomy slows down for a speech, a single one where Moses calls God's people to faithfulness to the one true God. And as God calls them to faithfulness, which ultimately it means that they act and they live a certain way, and he says, your kids are going to ask, why do you do these things? What's all this stuff you do? What does it mean? And in Deuteronomy 6.21, Moses answers, and he says, this is what you're going to tell your kids. You're going to tell them, we were Pharaoh's slaves in Egypt, and the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand. I think that this phrase here, this idea for how the Hebrew people viewed um, viewed their situation is a beautiful model for us. At first, I think it's, it's seeing the, the word order in Hebrew for this verse, I really like. It actually, the first word is slaves. It's literally slaves we were to Pharaoh. Right at the beginning, why do you do all this stuff? Why do you live this way? The first word out of the parent's mouth was to be slaves. It's what we were. Slaves to who? We were slaves to Pharaoh. But the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a strong hand. Basically just means with mighty power. Uh, the word for, this might sound crazy to think about this, but biblical Hebrew, the word for and can also mean but, and so it's by context we know which one is which. So I really think but is a better translation here because it's clearly, it's, it's contrasting. So slaves we were to Pharaoh, but the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a strong, mighty power. Uh, now obviously, for me and you, God did not save us from Pharaoh. But what, what's the point of this story is for us to realize that we can answer the same way is I was a slave to sin, but Jesus saved me. I was a sin to the darkness within me. I was a slave to addiction, to brokenness. Fill in the blank with whatever you want, but Jesus saved me. And so I think that the story of Cain and all the stories through the huge, huge story that the Hebrew Bible is, take you a long time to read the whole thing. It is filled time and time again with people who are looked to as the hope figure, and they end up failing. But there is true hope, and we find that that is in God Almighty. And when we find our identity and our purpose and our salvation in Him, we find that there is freedom and joy and purpose and love that is above and beyond all explanation. So next time you read the early Genesis stories and you go through the story of Cain, maybe this is something you'll think about. You know, we're not given the story of what Eve said to Cain. Did she get to see him again? I don't know. But imagine if Eve got to have a conversation with Cain. What would she have said to him? We don't know for certain, but I think it would have been something very much like what Obi-Wan told to Anakin. I think she would have said something like, you were the chosen one. It was said you would destroy the serpent, not join him. So the, the thing for us is to remember, let's learn from these stories and remember that we are not our own hero. 
And maybe we spend different seasons of our life trying to be that, but we know it ultimately leads to emptiness and brokenness and more darkness. And instead, let's surrender that to Jesus. So believe it or not, you can connect Star Wars to the Bible. In fact, there's probably many ways you can do that, but here's just a fun one for you guys to think about who is the chosen one. It's not Cain. Cain, you could say, is the first Anakin Skywalker, if you want, if you will. The chosen one is Jesus, and we put our identity in him. Thanks for listening to today's episode. Uh, if you'd like to reach out to me, I'm on Facebook at Hebrew Bible Insights, and you can also find this podcast on Apple, Google, and Spotify. I look forward to seeing you in the next conversation.